Welcome to the East City Wesleyan Church podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you would like to learn more about East City Wesleyan Church, please go to ecw.org.nz for more information. Now, here's your podcast. Today's reading comes from, comes from Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food were locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea, and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice said from heaven, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Thank you, uh, Anna, for the word from Matthew chapter 3. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the different ways indeed that you speak to us through song and prayer, the word, the fellowship of being with God's people. And uh, yes, Lord, encourage us this very day, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone, those here in person and uh, those uh, on the live stream too. Well, today's my uh, third, uh, my, th- my third uh, sermon on the series, uh, last series that I'm preaching here at East City Wesley and that I've entitled What's Important? What's most important in uh, pursuing God's mission in your life and in the life uh, of our church? Just a little bit of a recap. So in the first week uh, from Romans chapter 1, I shared about the priority of us joining God's mission. So what we do as Christians and as a church is all about pursuing, you know, God's mission, uh, not our own. 
And so we examined some aspects of the uh, life and teaching of the Apostle Paul and uh, saw that Paul was, you know, consumed with a desire to minister to others, compelled by a sense of responsibility and convinced of what the gospel could do. Good example for us. So as example, uh, as disciples, we're on this, the same mission, God's mission, and we're called to have the same passion as Paul. And last week I, I focused on uh, John chapter 3 uh, about Nicodemus uh, coming to Jesus at night and the teaching about salvation that Jesus gave, that life is meant to be a, um, a spiritual event, that the uh, key to life is what you might describe as a supernatural experience about being born again, as Jesus says. And Jesus says it comes down to a, um, a simple explanation. Whoever believes in me shall not perish but have eternal life. So today we are focusing on uh, Matthew uh, chapter 3 and specifically the teaching here about transformation, which I, I really consider one of the... Um, key teachings for Christians and for ECW and for its effective future. So in this chapter, Matthew fast forwards uh, Jesus' life about 30 years to the very beginning of his ministry. And he doesn't mention a great deal about the, uh, the years in between, I guess for the simple reason that they're not crucial in knowing who Jesus is and having a, a personal relationship with him. What we know about those in-between years is that he spent them working as a, as a carpenter, Caleb, uh, and uh, that, uh, you know, he grew in wisdom and stature. Now, at some, at some time during this, this period, uh, Joseph passed away, as he's never mentioned really during the, the ministry of Jesus. Intriguing, sort of lost in the mystery of time, really, what happened to Joseph. And Matthew chapter 3 begins with an introduction of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a preacher who lived in the wilderness, ate locusts and wild honey, and he preached repentance. Now, John the Baptist did something quite unique. He, he baptized Jews. Now, Jews were familiar with the rite of baptism, but it was only for those who were uh, converting to Judaism from another religion. That's when you baptize somebody. So baptism symbolized, you know, the washing away of the old sinful self uh, as the person accepted a, a new identity uh, to follow the one true God. Now, Jews didn't believe they needed to be baptized because they were already born as children of God. So John emphasized that we're all sinners, that we're all in need of repentance, no matter what our racial and cultural heritage is. So it was a challenging message. Now, John was an extremely popular preacher of, uh, of his time. Huge crowds came to hear him speak, and scholars estimate that he baptized tens of thousands of people. 
So he made this huge impact. He was a sort of a mega star of the time. And yet he didn't allow his fame or influence uh, to, uh, to, to blunt the kind of the rawness of his message. So when some, some Pharisees came to hear him speak, he didn't kind of uh, flatter them with a warm welcome. Well, we're glad to have some Pharisees here this morning. We'd like to welcome you to the wilderness. Do stay for a cup of tea afterwards and we hope you enjoy the service. No. Instead, when he, John the Baptist, saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Do you think they got the message? <laughs> he spoke harsh words to those who needed to hear harsh words. But that wasn't the entirety of his message. And as a matter of fact, he saw himself primarily as a forerunner to the Messiah who was to come. So in the Gospel of John, when John the Baptist was asked, you know, if he was the Messiah, this megastar, was he the one who was expected to come? He said, no. And then he quoted Isaiah's prophecy about him saying, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare a straight pathway for the Lord's coming. See, the forerunner. So John's message was, the Messiah is coming, get ready, get ready. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not even fit to carry. And this is how John went on to describe the coming Messiah. He, the Messiah, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chafe with unquenchable uh, fire. Now, for us urban dwellers of 2022, these references to chafe and, and grain may not be easy to understand, but let me just explain them. And for now, I want to draw attention to the important teaching here about, about transformation. This is what the key teaching is really about, transformation. What we can expect from the Messiah and what he can do for our lives when we surrender and follow him. So it seems to me from the scripture here that Jesus will give us power. So here's the verse. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now the, the concept of God, you know, living in a, uh, in a person was, was not a familiar concept at that time in history. It, it's, um, it's not an Old Testament uh, doctrine. 
And it was understood in those days that God's spirit would, would come upon maybe a, a certain selected person, a prophet, someone who was you know, doing something very significant, but it was a temporary experience, right? The spirit would come and the spirit would go. So the idea in the Old Testament of being personally baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit uh, as it's taught in the New Testament, was actually a, a foreign uh, concept. So for centuries, however, the Holy Spirit, the, the Old Testament prophets had been predicting a time when God's Holy Spirit would uh, dwell in people in a new way. So here's, here's just a selection. So this is many hundreds of years before the time of Christ, from Isaiah. And I will pour out my Spirit and my blessings on your children. And from the prophet Ezekiel, I will put my spirit in you so that you will obey my laws and do whatever I command. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. From Joel, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. You see these, these hints of the teaching, you know, as I say, hundreds of years before Christ about the spirit coming in a new way. So God promised in the Old Testament that there would come a time when he would make the power of the Holy Spirit available to everyone who asked. And John the Baptist said the promise would come you know, with the Messiah. So John said, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Now the word baptize means to uh, immerse so it means to you know, dip into or, or, or to plunge. So when someone is baptised by immersion in water, they become you know, completely wet. In the same way, when someone is baptised in the Holy Spirit, they become drenched by the Holy Spirit, if you like. So John is saying, there will come a time when you don't have to live only in your own power, for the Spirit of God will be living in you and through you. And after his resurrection, when Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to, the, to his followers, he said, this is in Acts 1 verse 8, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power. And Peter goes on to say, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. So the, the mark of the, the Holy Spirit's presence in your life is power and holiness. And it's available to everyone who asks. So Jesus came to give us the Holy Spirit so that we could live life to the fullest, learning to fully love God and to fully love others. So you may ask, how do I receive the Holy Spirit? Well, you receive it by, by asking. So Jesus said, this is Luke 11, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more 
with, with your heavenly father, will your heavenly father give these Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So to receive the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you can pray a prayer. And the specific words aren't so crucial as the intent, but the content of the prayer is something like, Lord God, cleanse me from my sin. And fill me with your spirit that I can do your will and purpose. Cleanse me from my sin. Fill me with your spirit that I can do your will and purpose. It's a prayer that says, Lord, I don't want to go on my own way. I want to go on your way. I don't want to live, you know, in my own <laughs> human strength, I want to live by your power and your blessing. So a prayer like that, it's very simple and yet it's very profound and it involves several things. So repentance, just turning from sin. It's about submission, which is, you know, yielding yourself to God. It's about faith which is trusting God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And it's also about assurance, which is the Holy Spirit confirming in your heart and your soul that you are saved and empowered for a new way of living. <laughs> Strong Wesleyan doctrine, that is. So Jesus came into the world so that we could experience a greater uh, fullness of God in our lives, the, the fullness of his presence, the, the fullness of his Holy Spirit in order that we can be effective disciples, fully loving God and neighbor. See, the purpose. And that's what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that's what John said the Messiah would come to do. So John goes on and he says that Jesus will help to make you pure and holy. So Matthew 3, this verse 11, this is the, the complete verse. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. What does, the, uh, does he mean by the statement, he will baptize you and with fire? Well, what does fire represent? It, it represents primarily a, a purification. So, you know, metal is purified by fire and so are our lives. Paul made a reference to this in uh, 1 Corinthians. For no one can lay any other foundation than the one which we already have, Jesus Christ. Now, anyone who builds on that foundation may use... Gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But there is going to come a time of testing at the judgment day to see what kind of work each builder has done. Everyone's work will be put through the fire to see whether or not it keeps its value. If the work survives the fire, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builders themselves will be saved, but like someone escaping through a wall of flames. So when 
John promises the baptism of fire, he is promising God's work in your life to make you pure and holy. He's saying the ministry of the Messiah will be to cleanse your life of everything that's not pleasing to God so that our our work can be productive. And John uses a, a, a further example. He says, he is ready to separate the chafe from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area Storing the grain in his barn, but burning the chafe with never-ending fire. It's a very vivid language, isn't it? Now, this metaphor may not be uh, easy for us to understand, but it was clear to all uh, those at the time who heard, um, heard these words. So when grain is harvested, it includes not only the, you know, the seeds of grain, but impurities of stalks and, and leaves called chafe. So grain farmers would use a tool called a a winnowing fan, which is like a big shovel. And they would scoop up the grain and the chafe that was on the threshing floor and toss it into the air. And the grain, which is heavy, would fall to the ground and the chafe, which is light, would be sort of blown away by the wind. So John says, this is what the Messiah will do in your life. He will separate the wheat from the chafe, the good from the bad, the significant from the meaningless. Now, some people might interpret this as a threat, but but I see it more as a promise. Jesus offers to clean up our lives, and he wants to get rid of everything that is useless and, and harmful so that we can become pure and holy. We can't make bread from chafe, but we want uh, your bread, if you want your bread to be worth eating, the grain must be good. You have to you know, eliminate what's not appropriate. So in the same way, if, you're, if you want your life to produce good results, you have to get rid of what needs to be got rid of. You have to get rid of the impurities. I look back um, over my life and ministry and and I'm thankful for those special times when uh, people prayed prayers for more of the Holy Spirit in my life. From, uh, uh, well, confirmation prayers, I guess, and uh, Life in the Spirit seminars, some of you will have experienced in the 1970s and, and 80s. And uh, I was thinking today about the, uh, the walk to Emmaus, what a blessing that was to me and many of you too. Intentional prayers of infilling of the Spirit that, that blessed me and helped me to face some of the challenges I had to in my, uh, in my ministry and to carry some of the responsibilities I had. And I'm convinced, I think, that that such Holy Spirit blessing enabled me to continue at times that sometimes, you know, had some challenge and extra busyness. So welcoming the Holy Spirit to bless and to empower, um, it is a kind of a continuing experience, isn't it? It it can take time and it can be quite a process. Um, And, you know, hardly a day goes by that I still don't ask God uh, to burn away 
to burn away anything in my life that's preventing me from being who he wants me to do and what he wants me to do. Maybe many of you feel the same. And I welcome such baptism by fire because I know God is using it to make me more pure and holy. And he's using it to get rid of things that are holding me back. And this includes, you know, sin and mixed up priorities and spiritual superficiality and anything else that doesn't conform uh, my life to God's will. We're on a spiritual journey. It's a great prayer to pray, isn't it? That God will enable us to conform increasingly to God's will. Well, Jesus came into this world so that his followers could become pure and holy. It's the New Testament teaching. He came so that they would escape the foolishness of dead religion, of selfish ambition, of idolatry, and of destructive relationships. He wants to cleanse you and me of all that is holding us back so that we can be free to serve God with a pure and a holy heart. And from this teaching here, Jesus also provides a path to follow. So Jesus came to John to be baptized. And you wonder why? God's son coming to John to be baptized. John was preaching a message of repentance, but Jesus didn't need to repent. You know, he was without sin. He didn't need God's forgiveness. Why did he come to John to be baptized? Well, certainly John recognized this contradiction himself. So he exclaimed to Jesus, I am the one who needs to be baptized by you. Why are you coming to me? And Jesus answered him by saying, it must be done because we must do everything that is right. Sounds like a parent, doesn't it? (laughs) Jesus was baptized by John to endorse, so to speak, John's message so that we might identify with it as well. So John's message, as I said, is one of repentance. It's a message we all need to hear and obey. And as I mentioned earlier, it it wasn't customary in those days for Jews to be baptized. They didn't believe they had to be baptized. They were already God's children, God's chosen people. But John taught that everyone both Jews and non-Jews, are separated uh, from God by sin. So Jesus was saying, my act of obedience is an example for all. Follow my example. So the baptism of Jesus was also a, a public initiation of his ministry. And after Jesus was baptized, the Spirit of God descended on him And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son, and I am fully pleased with him. God's words made it clear to everyone. Jesus is the one whom we should follow. He is the way. 
So later in his ministry, one of his disciples asked him, how can we know the way? That's a question we ask. How can we know the way? And Jesus answered him by saying, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus, the Messiah, is our path to God. We're to follow his example. We're to follow his teachings. We're to follow him in order to have our lives transformed and live as he wants us to live. In our Wesleyan stream of the great body of Christ, this teaching of Holy Spirit transformation is one of the constant distinctives. So John Wesley had tremendous spiritual insight on this vital topic, and he's considered, you know, the father of the evang- much of the evangelical movement, the holiness movement, and much of Pentecostalism too. And he wrote, he said, by Wesleyans, I mean a people who profess to pursue in whatever measure they have attained holiness of heart and life, inward and outward conformity in all things to the revealed will of God. And he went on to say, this doctrine, this is holiness, transformation, blessing of the spirit, is the grand depositum which God has lodged with the people called Wesleyans. And for the sake of propagating this, chiefly he appeared to have raised us up. So he's trying to analyze why was there this revival in the 18th century, the 1700s. And he said, it seems to be this revival of the blessing of holiness of heart and life. That's what's being contributed to the ongoing Christian mission. Now, without naming names or identifying people, let me share briefly some examples that came to mind as I prepared this message during the week of real people I have known who were transformed and changed. A woman actually here in our congregation who was deeply impressed by others who testified to the the life-giving blessing of the Holy Spirit uh, in their lives, who, who asked her friends one day, please pray for me to have more of the Holy Spirit in my life in a new and a special way. And her her prayers were answered with a, a memorable experience which she still cherishes today, as from that prayer time it made a substantive difference in her life. A man whose life seemed successful, but whose life was really controlled by alcohol. He was a high-functioning alcoholic. But with prayer and with Holy Spirit blessing, he overcame the addiction and he continues as a prominent and respected leader in his congregation. Not this one, I might add. A person who from middle age to later in life found himself to have accumulated a considerable financial resource. And yet most of his life he'd been careful at times, if not selfish. And in a time of submission to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, he asked God to help him be more generous in his his outlook and and able to share his resources. 
And because of his faith, because of a Holy Spirit blessing, he learned to become a more generous benefactor to many Christian causes. Another person who told me of their, their shame and their failure over a certain addiction and how it continued to affect their outlook and uh, perspective on life in many different ways. And with specific prayer, repentance, and welcoming of the Spirit, the burden was lifted, and that person, who I know very well, was given a renewed assurance of being you know, a child of God, and in recent years has lived a much more positive and fruitful life. And you... And you, and you. So Jesus came into the world to be the Messiah, right? our Saviour, uh, your Saviour and my Saviour. And he wants to fill our lives with power by filling us with the Holy Spirit. He wants to make us pure by burning away all the rubbish all the impurities, all the things that you know, hold us back so that we can be fully loving people who help change the world, God's mission. So for ECW and its future, uh, how will the transforming power of the Holy Spirit always be a feature, a characteristic of, of this church, as it should be in every church? Well, through clear holiness teaching, through proactive prayer and ministry, uh, we need to be having intentional opportunities, laying on of hands and prayerfulness for people. Through promotion of godly living amid a very diverse and often messed up world, prayers for wholesomeness in the very best sense, and uh, always a welcome to the Holy Spirit, as our values say, Holy Spirit-led. And, and my, my prayer is that it certainly will always be so here in this place. So to conclude, Paul says, it's, uh, Paul says it far better than I can. Uh, Romans 12, familiar words to some of you. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve of what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Praise God for the promises of Scripture like Romans chapter 12. And uh, pray with me as we ask for more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God, at whatever stage of life we're at, you, you give us the gift of life, whether we're younger or in the middle of the journey or towards the sunset of that journey. God, we ask for your Holy Spirit. 
your Holy Spirit to bless and empower. And can I invite you to repeat after me that simple prayer that just emanates here from Matthew, Matthew's gospel. Lord, cleanse me from sin. Lord, cleanse me from sin. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit to do your will and purpose. To do your will and purpose. God, hear the prayers of your people. Uh, Heal them. Bless them. Empower them, we pray. For your mission, O God, in the name of Jesus Christ, who baptizes with the Spirit and with fire. In his name we pray. Amen.